You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni, part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. Did you have a nice all-star break, Doug? It was great. Uh, it was everything I hoped it would be and more. I'm uh, that, I'm still on an all-star break right now. So <laughs> I am i didn't get selected to the game. I'm just relaxing. Uh, my work has been calling me, asking where I am. I'm just saying it's the all-star break. Like, go away. Yeah. So, uh, it's It's been nice. I was named as the injury replacement for Spencer Strider, but I had to bow out, which is how Alex Cobb got it. Because uh, I've had tinnitus since... Fourth of July. Oh yeah, you can't you can't pitch with tinnitus. No, especially my, not an exhibition. If it's the playoffs, you know you push through it. Yeah. But I probably should go to urgent care because my ears haven't stopped ringing and they occasionally allowed sound and I'll get like dizzy and a headache. But uh, I was literally getting gas at like ten o'clock at night on Fourth of July, and across the street people were lighting off firecrackers. One was so loud it like blacked my hearing out. So I can't, if I go to the doctor, they're going to be like, you were playing with fireworks. I'm like, no, literally someone five, 15 feet away from me did. I, I didn't know this person. I didn't even see him. And it wouldn't matter. He'll just write it down. Played with fireworks. Dumb person. Hey, just, just think to yourself. William Shatner has tinnitus. It's good enough for Captain Kirk. Good enough for you. <laughs> yeah, but he got it shooting the apple. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you got it when maybe someone else was shooting an apple. You don't know. <laughs> The the episode the apple for anyone who's unfamiliar with what I what I meant from the original series. Okay, we're gonna do a, not a recap of the first half. You were there, you watched it. But we're gonna talk about some highlights, first half stars and scrubs, and then we're gonna do an interesting concerning as we head into the second half. Uh, any first half highlights, Doug, that stood out in your mind? And you're like, yeah, I hope I remember that one for the rest of the year. I mean, the <laughs> obvious one I think is the Yaz walk off splash hit. Mm. Um, I mean, that was a game where it was kind of an up and down game. He comes up in the ninth inning and just the way he launched that ball. Oh like my you gosh. Knew immediately off the bat, yes. it's gone. <laughs> and which is the most fun thing to have happen at the end of a game. Um, <laughs> it, literally the only question is, is it going to go into the water? <laughs> um, which it did, which made it even more fun. But man, that was Oh, that that was fun. <laughs> it's one of those times where it's like that swing that they all have now, the uppercut kind of swing or the, you know, the, the launch angle driven swing. A perfect marriage. Uh, I'm going to, you know what game is still sticking in my mind was the home run barrage in Chicago. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was early enough. And uh, it's just one of those things that stuck with me. And, you know, along those same lines, same road trip, I still remember our opening day, Judge homering off of Logan Webb. So. That was also not cool, but, you know, still a fun end to the to the offseason storyline. So that's why I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Brian loves nothing more than a narrative where the Giants look like fools. <laughs> no, I for both sides. I think it was just neat. It was just a neat, tidy. Oh, it's in his home stadium. It's opening day. It's, it's all it's all fine. But the home run barrage, because 
not only did it make the White Sox home fans groan, but it was like, yeah, the Giants uh, have a front office that are able to get a bunch of three true outcome guys. And now they put them together in a stadium where it's really easy to hit home runs against pitchers who throw four seam fastballs. And guess what? The Giants are really good at hitting four seam fastballs. And look, it all worked perfectly. Uh, let's not forget the 10 game winning streak that happened. But some people, some Giants fans might get a little cranky this year. It's like they did win 10 in a row. And in that 10 game winning streak, recall that they did shut out the Dodgers 15 to nothing. That yeah, happened. that was cool. I like that. Um, <laughs> they did. They, and then they just had all these, these like come from behind walk off wins. They, they humiliated the Cardinals in their home stadium. Uh, mm-hmm. We love humiliating the Cardinals. Yep. It's it's one of the finest feelings known to man because they deserve it so much. Uh, nice balance for the Giants. Three walk-off losses, three walk-off wins. That 15 to nothing game in Dodger Stadium, some like after-the-fact stuff. The time of that game, Doug, was two hours and 27 minutes. <laughs> and the scoring didn't start until the fifth inning. Oh, my God. Can you... <laughs> Just some things you don't you don't remember on that on their way to that. So, and then we're going to talk about him quite a lot more, I think. But the the Patrick Bailey game, I'm giving it in quotes because yeah. it, it prompted the tweet from the Anthony DeComo, the Mets beat reporter, someone named Patrick Bailey, and it's like, yeah, he's he's really good. So we should give a little some props to Blake Sable, but we we're going to do that in the next section. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about some first half stars and maybe some first half scrubs or you know guys who just weren't quite as good um i already mentioned bailey should we just start with him yeah let's start with bailey he's been <laughs> the guy it's you know when, when casey schmidt got called up you know he had he was phenomenal um for for a little while and it seemed like he was sort of the engine that was going to turn the giants around as schmidt has faded over the year it's been bailey um it's been bailey's presence behind the plate bailey what hitting at the plate kind of that leadership vacuum that a certain someone who we're not going to compare him to, uh, um, uh, kind of left when, when he, uh, when he retired. Um, and it's, it's not that there's, you know, the same player we're expecting that kind of career from Bailey. Um, again, I'm obviously referring to Kurt Manwaring. Uh, (laughs) But it, you back it's, off your your Vitori Alba comp. Okay, <laughs> fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not not after what what Yorbit did uh, when he went to Colorado. Sure, That's unforgettable. sure. Yeah. Um, but just the way that that Bailey has kind of stabilized the entire team since getting called up. I mean, that's been incredible to watch. And he's been as much as you can give one guy credit for an entire team's turnaround, which you mostly shouldn't. Um, but if you could. It would be Patrick Bailey. He's been their best player for the last three weeks heading into this break. Uh, we talked about him a, a decent amount in the Croncast that we had with Roger earlier in the week. So check that out in case you missed it. In case you thought, ah, oh, minors, I don't want to hear about that. Well, we talked about some major league players, including Patrick Bailey. And it, it just is one of those things where it's like, can one guy really turn it all around? One thing that it's, taking something Roger said in that was about, you know, Farnsidey saying that when Buster Posey left, we didn't, we didn't know how much we missed him. And you look at that and you go, well, the giants are, you would think they're just a team that's run by an algorithm, whatever their model says, they make decisions based on that. 
et cetera. The performance is based on this data, et cetera. And it seems like the only, the thing that really makes it go, Doug, that makes all that stuff click are those special guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what was missing. Is Bailey the special guy? I don't know. This is so weird to see a guy who you don't look at. You know, Buster Posey was a hitter in the minor leagues, you know, and it's like, I don't think of Bailey as a hitter, but uh, I'm also of the opinion that you shouldn't rely on your catcher for offense still. So, (laughs) but at the same time, Um, it's undeniable. Right, exactly. And there's something to be said for, you know, having solid players all over the field, which the Giants mostly do offensively, but you do need a star or two to go along with them. And -hmm. that's something they didn't have last year. And right now, at least, that's something that they have in Bailey. Um, And that's why they've been successful. So who would you, who else would you put under here as like a star of the first half? Um, You know, I I know I talked about him uh, in last week's interesting concerning, but uh, just talking about for the whole half, I mean, Lamont Wade Jr. has been excellent this year. He had at least a statistical case for going to the All-Star game. Like not the vibes based case. That is how you actually go to the All-Star game. (laughs) But, um, but like he's in 320 plate appearances he has a 404 on base percentage. Um, like he just is not making outs. It's been incredibly impressive. His walk rate, 16.6%. His strikeout rate, 18.1%. He's walking almost exactly as much as he strikes out. Um, and and his defense at first has been spectacular. Like you would think he'd been a natural first baseman his whole life instead of learning it in 2021 because the Giants are like, yeah, I don't know, might as well. Uh <laughs> And he's been a huge part of the team's success all year. Um, and it's been really incredible to watch him. I don't think this guy falls under here, but I kind of think there's a line that we can draw f- after those the offense and the defense. But I want to put Blake Sable in as sort of like an honorable mention. Rule 5 pick, a power guy. He's got 10 home runs. Uh, you know, that, that strikeout to walk rate is gnarly, but they can't option him right now, but a good find that could have just as easily not worked out. Right. The giant, we've seen the giants run through these dudes trying to find someone that fits their model of like, if we could, if we could just harness him, if you just not strike out so much, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and it seems to be working out that I want to like, as a star, how about this? A star rule five pick which they traded yeah. for him, blah, blah, blah. But like, uh, so I want to point that out. Is there anyone else from the hitting side that you want to say is a star? Cause if we just go by um, OPS plus, I guess we could name two more, but right. I mean, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's tough cause he's hurt right now. And you know, we're not sure exactly when he's going to back, but you know, Tyra Estrada has obviously had a really good year. Um, it's not all, offensive he's been a good offensive player a good defensive player a good base runner um and it's all kind of the the whole package has been has led to a really solid player who will be underrated by traditional metrics by traditional i don't know if i want to say metrics even just because people say metrics to mean fancy pants stats but um like the if you just look at a box score you don't really appreciate what tyro brings um but he's just been so solid in every facet of the game. And the team has pretty desperately needed that. And, you know, you saw it 
when when he got hurt, um, and even when he was he was ineffective for a little bit before that, um, the team did struggle without him. And it's it's been hard to replace him. I think Brett Wisely has done a fine job defensively, but it's it's just not the same. Um, and same goes with with Casey Schmidt at, at playing second base. Just neither of them is the hitter that Tyro is um, as as good as they are on defense. So he's been a big part of the team's success, even though it doesn't. He just seems like kind of a solid player you don't notice, but he's been very important, I think, this year. And I'm looking forward to him coming back. The best second baseman in the National League by wins above replacement, if you're a fan graphs person. Um, yeah, then that's what Doug's getting to. I will say this because he kind of fell off my radar in terms of like a star, but I was the one like losing sleep over the fact that he wasn't even being considered for the All-Star <laughs> game. So who am I? But it is worth pointing out in between IL stints, he came off the IL and then he had a, a three for five game. It raised the season OPS to 834. It was a big jump. But in his last 22 games before the broken hand, 196, 272, 337. So he was slumping, but obviously providing, you know, really, he's like an amazing defender at second base. We've already said this, right? You move him anywhere else, though. He's just like, it's a different player. Uh, but yeah, he should definitely be mentioned. So, and I'm sorry, Tyro, that I that I didn't remember that. So <laughs> uh, so now we, we've definitely got to just go on to the pitching side. And despite what happened against uh, against the Rockies, can can I just start with Tyler Rogers? Yeah. Yes, you should. <laughs> <laughs> now now maybe the Rockies figured something out like they've spent all season trying to figure out Tyler Rogers because they are the Rockies and they have the luxury of doing that. Maybe their bats are such shit that they are only really timed to Tyler Rogers stuff. I don't know. It or it's just a bad weekend and the Rogers brothers are not like they don't like the All-Star game. So they, it gets them weird. I don't know. Uh, cause, but Tyler Rogers outside of that Rocky series, it was such a good reliever that as Doug and I remarked, there is a case to be made that if the giants could only have one all-star representative, you could have picked Tyler Rogers and it wouldn't have been that controversial over Camilo Duvall. Uh, he has been outstanding and that's, that is to the point where it's like any other good pitcher you want to throw out there. He's been better than most. Uh, definitely a star of the first half. Easy to overlook because of this, his style and his stuff. But I don't know what else you can say. It's like, goddamn, what a good pitcher he's been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, even against, you know against the Rockies, the Friday night, the Friday night game. You know, he threw a bad pitch, which everyone will throw a bad pitch. Sometimes it gets hit. Um, it wasn't fun. And then he had some very poor defense behind him on Saturday, um, I thought, which is something that he hasn't seen a lot of this year. Um, generally, they've been pretty, pretty solid. So, I mean, I think that's a big part of it for him because he he's never going to be the biggest strikeout guy. He's always going to need the defense to make plays. And when they don't, he's going to be the one who looks bad. Um, oh, that's but, a yeah. great point. You're totally right. Yep. He's the he's the one that. I mean, this happens on the starting side too, you see, but I think there are plenty of Brian Murphys in the world who are looking for, waiting for Tyler Rogers to implode, but it's going to happen because his defense is going to look bad first. So you're totally right. Yeah. Um, But yeah, very impressive. And then I guess we should talk about the team's uh, starting pitching all-star. Alex Cobb has been uh, excellent this year. He has, uh, 
done everything you could hope for, basically, uh, other than getting hurt for a little bit. Um, but just kind of what you're getting with Alex Cobb anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You know, you sign Alex Cobb, you know, that's, that's <laughs> definitely on the table. Um, but he's, he's been great. You know, you look forward to his starts, you watch him get that great ground ball rate. Uh, even he's even had a, a pretty high BABIP against him this year, which you'd expect to come down. So, I mean, when that happens, he might even be better than he's shown so far. Um, so, I mean, that's just been very impressive. Uh, and to watch Alex Cobb and to have him on as the number two starter, you know, you're in pretty good hands. Well, I'm going to put the number one starter in here, although I can certainly understand why he may not be. But his last two starts heading to the break, including his first career shutout, uh, where he looked just sensational. But Logan Webb, I think, deserves the star, the star mantle. He's like kind of along the Rogers line. He can be as good as his defense sometimes. And maybe he started to realize, like, oh, I got to strike more guys out. I've got to go for that. But his changeup is the best changeup in baseball by run value. How much you you assign uh, any weight to is maybe a personal preference. But according to StatCast, it's worth minus 14 runs in run value. No changeup comes close. It's like a top 15 pitch in baseball as well. He used it like half the time in that shutout. He's pitched obviously like much better at home than on the road. So that could be an issue. But I think a guy that got a five year extension, $90 million was penciled in as the ace. Yeah. He pitched up to an ace level, I think. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, 314 ERA, 323 FIP, 292 XFIP, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you're looking for. 60% ground ball rate. Yeah. I, I mean, come on. It's, that's just so so strong it's pitched he led the the majors and in innings pitched in the first half um you know he didn't get any run support so you know poor one out for matt kane but <laughs> he's um from a pitching perspective you know he had a bad first few starts and he recovered pretty nicely uh there's always gonna be up and ups and downs but the overall picture of that of logan webb as a starter has been so strong this year so good this year um He's certainly everything the Giants had hoped. Also, he's Alex Cobb's protege. And so the two of them together, it's working out pretty well. And so, I mean, we got to also mention Camilo Duval. I I mean, let me ask you this, Doug. Are you, oh yeah, this is, he's got this. You're, you're a hundred. Are you like for his closer, for a closer, are you like, is he in the Rob Nen zone? Is he in the Brian Wilson zone? Or is he somewhere in the middle? Um, yeah, I mean, he's basically in the Rob Nen zone. Yeah, um, he's because the stuff is just so overpowering that even when Duval gets into trouble, you see the path for him getting out of it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it doesn't always work against the Mariners on Monday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. last week, Monday, whichever Monday. Yep. Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he it kind of went and it kind of spiraled on him, but he came back a couple days later, pitched great, uh, came back, I think, again against the Mariners, pitched great again. Like he just he doesn't really get rattled. So, I mean, I think that's that's the thing that he has in common with Nen because I don't, it's not to say that Wilson got rattled on the mound, but his expression always looked a little bit like he wasn't sure what was going to happen next. 
Um, yeah. If you ever watch like, oh, you're going to get a double. Oh, well, you're going to have a one out double where I'm going to walk the next guy. Yeah, exactly. Like Wilson would like lethal weapon crazy you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, with Rob Nen, the vibe was, no, I'll just strike. I'll strike you out with my 92 mile an hour slider. So yeah. um, and it's kind of something similar with Duvall, except he's um, he's kind of like a, if you remember the old uh, Jeff Sullivan thing from game four of the 2010 LCS and LCS <laughs> when Buster Posey said, Oh, excuse me. I seem to have gone and hit a hit to right field. Like Camilo Duvall is that except from the pitching side. He's like, Oh, excuse me. I seem to have thrown a 101 mile an hour fastball and you swung through it. And now you're going to sit down. He uh, also is so calm. He's just willing to take the automatic balls for pitch clock violations. Like no problem, which is a little scary, but uh <laughs> that's how calm he is that's a good group i mean we could talk about more players but i like that those definitely were the standouts for me i think there are a lot of interesting players there i i want to shout out to ryan walker for the first time i ever saw him because i never saw him in the minors and then like he throws a pitch for the giants i'm like this guy is a reliever for the (laughs) he is a major league reliever fantastic um and credit to taylor rogers for sort of turning his season around pretty quickly right because it looked really bad and uh he really bounced back there so uh lots of positives in the first half all that said let's let's pick some uh some thorns in our side or maybe some negatives or whatever you've got some good jokes some good roast material you want to throw in there for these guys not to say that they can't come out of it but uh uh anyone you want to put up there first i mean probably the biggest disappointment um, for someone, at least on the hitting side, coming into the year is uh, David VR. Um, you know, he he was good on defense, which was nice to see. He hit a few homers in his time in the majors, but he, you know, he just hadn't, he just didn't get it done at the plate. Um, you know, they sent him down to the minors twice. He's he's working on things. He's doing what he can. Uh, we talked a little bit about this with Roger on our last episode. Um, but, you know, the team had penciled him in as the starter at third base coming into the year. Um, they, I think they weren't sure what they were going to do with J.D. Davis, but they wanted VR to get a good shot at it. And they gave him a pretty reasonable shot for several weeks, and it, it just didn't work. And so, you know, that'll happen sometimes in development. It's player development's not linear. It's not just like number go up. Um, it's, it's a hard game. And they had J.D. Davis ready to step in and do a good job. But you wanted to see more from VR, um, and and you didn't, which has been yeah. a disappointment. I'm hopeful. I'm going to still be optimistic. He's doing great in AAA, and I know that doesn't mean anything. Plenty of players have done great in the minors and not in the majors. And but you'd like to see, you can see it exactly what you said. I got to say this, and this is a stupid pick, but I have to say it because what the hell? He's getting paid to hit home runs, and he's not. Jock Peterson, you got a bobblehead. Your kids are adorable. Uh, you got a 121 OPS plus, which means you're fantastic. But what the hell? You're not even slugging 500. Patrick Bailey's slugging 500. You got eight home runs. What the hell? Five double. He's got what, seven, 15 extra base hits in 54 games. No, thank you. No, thank you, sir. I reject your your solid above your solidly above average line. So I deem you a scrub because what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I will say Blake Sable has a high, higher slugging percentage than Jock Peterson. 
um, which is not ideal. You know, the thing that Peterson was supposed to do on this team was hit was sock dingers. Yeah. And he's not really doing it. Yeah. Michael Conforto is having a, a very nice season considering that Michael Conforto missed two years. He's having a very nice season. He's been very good and he's got more home runs than, than Jack Peterson. Jack Peterson has twice been in the home run derby. And I, no, no, I unacceptable <laughs> fix it. <laughs> that's what, that's all I say. <laughs> just fix it. Yeah. Fix it. Um, I, it's just, it's kind of hard to like rag on a lot of, like, I don't want to rag on anybody. It's uh, you know, the giants have some, you know, Darren Ruff had a 100 OPS plus with the giants, Doug. Did you realize that? <laughs> yeah. It's he, you know, he didn't play that much, but he did a nice job. Yeah. And, and yeah. then they're like, yeah, never mind. We don't need you. Am I going to crush Mitch Hanniger? No, he was starting to come around. He got hurt. It's kind of like we kind of knew the score with Mitch Hanniger. It was only a matter of time before he got hurt. Uh, J.D. Davis has kind of been in a slump, but for the most part, he's been well. So it's, it's like you could take your pick uh, of other guys. But that to, that to me is the standout of like the disappointment of the first half. And I'm saying that about a guy who's hitting better than a lot of hitters in yeah. baseball. So I'm being really gripey. Yeah, the, uh, the 10 Giants with the most plate plate appearances all have um, WRC pluses over, I think 105. Yeah. He's, he's fine, but you, (laughs) you didn't, you expected him to be more. Yeah. Yeah. That's not happening. All right. How about on the pitching side, some, some disappointments. I mean, I think the obvious two, and I don't want to take two at once, but it's hard not to group them together are Sean Manai and Ross Stripling who both have basically not been cutting it as starters. Um, Stripling's last few starts have been okay, but he, the team clearly doesn't trust him. The team is coming up with plans to sort of hide him or use him as a decoy before they bring in Alex Wood or whatever. Um, and it's, it's hard not to be disappointed in the years they've had. The Giants were supposed to have five solid starters. And, you know, you kind of take into account, well, you know, someone's going to get hurt. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that. You'll have Jacob Junis. You have these guys in the minors. It'll be okay. But they they really haven't, and um, and it's it it's hurt them. That's the main one that we should do for sure. Um, I and I look at the rest of the roster and I go, I don't know. I can't really like pick. Alex Wood is not performing under what I expected. Anthony Discofani is not pitching under what I expected. But what I'm saying is like. Ross Stripling and Shamanaya not going well is not like a huge surprise to me personally. Uh, so that's what makes it harder to pick. They are objectively, you're 100% correct. I was just trying to be like, who's the sneaky guy of like this? He's actually been a little disappointing. And I think it's just a matter of, no, the team's been solidly above average, but th- those guys have been so bad. It pulls it down, you know, but I want to, bring up a positive that we totally missed. I'm not going to set it up. So we, I drop it back in earlier. Let's just Mm. own our failure. Doug, we missed both uh, a star in the bullpen and we missed another great moment from the season, but Brandon Crawford scoreless inning. (laughs) That's yeah, that was fun. That was, uh, you know, just talking about the good vibes, like bring back the good vibes. Um, And that's absolutely what it was. Crawford, Pitched a good inning. And you know, you know, the thing I liked about it is he didn't do that kind of weak thing where you lob a ball in at 40 miles an hour every pitch. No. Um, no, he like tried. <laughs> he went up there and threw it in like the 80s, I think. 
So you know what? Good. Yeah. Brandon Crawford, 100 percent. Who did the analysis, the pitch analysis? Was it Eno? Like they you they went in and looked at the 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 visual data, the laser data, and they're like, that changeup is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was a sinker or something. It was like, that's pretty good. Uh but a fantastic moment for sure. Yeah, I mean, the Manaya stripling thing. I mean, I guess with the Manaya thing, it's like there's still something there. You can clearly see it. Um but the yeah, the, mean, the stripling thing seems like they're trying to stretch out Todd Wellmeyer again. It just seems like that all over again. So I, here's what I'd say about those two. Manaya, I guess, is the new Drew Pomeranz. Because um, that happened with Pomeranz and they had him in 2019 where he was not a good starter. They moved him to the bullpen. He was great. And it got him like a four-year deal from the Padres, I think. And then about you know stripling, and honestly, this applies to Manaya too. The thing the Giants are supposed to be good at is fixing these guys, like taking okay guys and making them really good. You know, it worked for uh, Kevin Gosman. It worked for uh, Alex Cobb. It worked for Di Sclafani for a little while, you know, up and down since. But um, some of that's been just his arm is tired because he didn't pitch any innings in 2022. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you look at them signing two guys with good stuff, decent track records, and you think, oh, this, you know, this like, organization should be able to turn one of them into something really impressive, um, which, and then they haven't. Um, I mean, Manai obviously has been good out of the bullpen, but, uh, but I don't think anybody trusts him as a starter now. And it's not what they were looking to do when they signed them. So, I mean, that part of it has also been, I think, a disappointment. Yeah. Doug, what's something that interests you about the giants as they start the second half? Uh, I want to see uh, a lot more of Logan Webb and Alex Cobb. You know, that I think they're such a good one-two punch. I think they'll be fun. Uh, I'm hoping they're going to stay strong down the stretch. And they'll, you know, they're, they're a big part of why you're tuning into the Giants. I am very interested to see how the Giants tackle the trade deadline. I think unambiguously they're going to be buyers. But to the extent, uh, I'm not sure to what extent. They are going to be buyers because it's at least a 10 team field for six spots. Uh, what what would that make it? It's a buyer's market. There's more buyers than sellers. No, it's a because, seller's market then. Well, I can't. Well, that's the thing. I can't determine from the player, the teams that are not in it, who's selling. Are the angels going to sell Shohei Otani? No. You know what I mean? Like these are the things it's like, uh, you know, who are the nationals selling? Right. Like who who are these other teams that are on the fringes? What what do they have to offer? I mean, Patrick Corbin, I don't want Patrick Corbin on the Giants. So I guess that is that it, it would be a, a buyer's market insofar as uh, you have a lot of people competing. Though, or it would be a seller's market, but you have a lot of weird teams that are competing and you've got that weird, um, uh, you know, cost cost benefit analysis going on. Uh, it's very hard to trade in baseball now because even guys that are outside of a team's top 30 are somehow treated as, you know, precious metals with that. And it's just very hard to move them. I mean, the nationals were asking for Logan Webb in exchange for Juan Soto that, you know, not an unreasonable ask, but I'm just saying like, if we're talking in those volumes, the, the next tier down from Juan Soto is probably what the giants would need for the trade to be impactful. And then it's a matter of, who are they willing to give up to give the next tier of guy, whether that's is Patrick Corbin in that next tier. He's, he's like a middle of the pack pitcher. He's having a nice first half, probably because he wants out of Washington, but,
but it's like, <laughs> you, you know, basically like how much are you going to pay to get the equivalent of Anthony D. Sclafani? It, I'm not sure that the Giants are in a position where they're wanting to sell a lot, but I also don't think they can afford to stand pat. So it seems like it will set up a weird dynamic, but I'm very interested to see how they tackle it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, from what Farhan said, they're looking at middle infield help, which I think makes a lot of sense. Um, they're, you know, you can see how thin they are at second base right now. In theory, they should be good, but um, in practice, they haven't been. Um without Tyra Estrada. So that's their main focus. I mean, the thing that makes the seller's market is that, you know, the White Sox make a couple calls and they're like, yeah, Lucas Giolito and Dylan Cease make us an offer and they can just, you know, they, the, the Dodgers make an offer and they can then just call the Padres and be like, Hey, I know you guys are trying to buy. You're always trying to buy. And then when the Padres make an offer, they can call, I don't know, the Mets and be like, I know you're trying to buy. And, I don't care if you're 10 games under 500, you know, you want him. And then, you know, they'll just keep raising that price. Um, so is it going to be worth it? Is it going to be worth it for the giants to get in on that? Probably not though. You know, who knows? I mean, the vibe I get right now, at least what the giants are giving off publicly is to expect like a Marco Scudero kind of deal, except without the part where he hits like 500 um, afterwards. <laughs> Just like a guy, a guy who's pretty good, you know, solid, nothing wrong with him. Um, you want the, if you want the other, the other guy I could go with, like a Jeff, Jeff Keppinger type deal. Um, like someone who's fine and who will kind of solidify the position, but isn't a huge star up the middle. I think that's sort of the impression they're giving off. Now, that could change over the next few weeks as the deadline approaches and the team's needs become clearer. Um, but I think that's, at least for the moment, the most likely. I feel like we need to introduce a Brian schools or Doug schools, Brian on uh, economics (laughs) segment. That would be good. Um, I'm interested to see how the lineup handles not having Tyro Estrada in it, not having Mitch Hanniger in it, and then more playing time, more uh, pitchers facing him, a bigger book on Patrick Bailey. Uh, But also will like, I'm just interested to see how the offense does. I think the lineup is, is an under, uh, an overlooked part of the team right now. Uh, they need to just, sometimes you just, Doug, when it's time to hit, you got to hit. Hey, it's what I've always <laughs> been saying. When it's time to hit, what do you have to do? Hit. Yeah. What should you not do? Not hit. <laughs> and like, so other positives besides Blake Sable, who we mentioned, you know, Michael Conforto having a nice season. Wilmore Flores getting more playing time has been good has been solid first base th- well, wherever they're playing him. And so that that's a nice trend I'd like to see continue. I hope that Mike Yastrzemski has another real hot streak in him. Sometimes it takes him a while to get, he gets injured a lot and takes him a while to get going. Austin Slater, I know has had some nagging injuries. I think the potential's there. So I'm, I'm interested to see if they can actually with the guys they have right now, get it going on offense some more, because like you said, you're excited to see the starting pitching, I'm kind of not worried about them right now because their bullpen, I'm knocking on wood, has been so solid <laughs> that it's kind of one of those things where it's like you have a little bit of a backstop uh, right now. Anything else you are interested in the second half? I I think Michael Conforto, I want to see how he lasts over the second half of the season. I think, um, you know, coming off, you know, like you said, he's basically not played baseball in what, two years. 
Um, well, yeah, he missed the COVID season and he, he sat out because of the, um, the, I guess he played, he played in 2021, but he didn't get a 2022. Of, yeah. He had the yeah. surgery. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's tough. You know, it's, you know, he, what he, he's, he missed a full season. Sometimes you can kind of wear down a little easier if you don't have that, that endurance built up at the time you see more in pitchers, but the dog days might hit him hard or maybe, you know, maybe the giants have some kind of nutrition training regimen that is, is next level. I wouldn't put it past them. That's basically exactly the kind of thing I would expect them to have. Um, so seeing him, you know, go through August, just seeing how that performance kind of changes, drops off, gets better. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see. Coming out of the all-star break is going to be not make or break. It will change the disposition of what's going to happen because not just the giants, you mentioned the Mets, the Mets have been kind of heating up the Padres, the Mets and the Padres are playing each other. Both those teams are the dark horses right now. In my mind, I think the Mets have the bigger, the greatest potential to just simply, this was a hot streak and they'll fade away because they're such an old team. You can easily see it happening. But the Giants are going to play uh, 11 games in a row, and it's going to be four cities because they have a makeup game on there. So I'm very interested to see what happens because six and five, great, right? Seven and four, fantastic. But uh, even five and six, you're like, okay, not not great. Right, a little <laughs> disappointing, but, pass, yeah. but passable. Yeah, it's the, I think it's the C minus, and that's yeah. a passing grade. Yeah. So and I, but the thing is, I'm interested because I think they can do they can win five games on the road on this road trip, in which case it's like, all right, let's see what happens, especially if they get healthy again. Brian, what's something that concerns you about the giants if they start the second half? The giants are not going to have a 30 home run hitter again. (laughs) (laughs) It should have been Jock Peterson. Damn it. (laughs) It's not, it's probably not going to be Michael Conforto for the reasons you gave. I, I, I guess it's not that big of a deal, but you look at the totals that they have now and Conforto leads with 13, JD Davis, you know, 10, uh, they, they have guys, but they don't have guys who can (laughs) Blake Sable is 10. Like they don't have guys who can knock it in and get hot. I mean, at this point, we're kind of looking at it as if Blake Sable gets hot, it's because he's like unlocked a development key and, but it's like, he's not going to hit 20 more home runs over the next 72 games. None of them are. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, uh, Jock Peterson's not going to hit 22 home runs in the next 72 games. I defy him to do that. <laughs> so they'll have to trade for someone who has like 20 home runs. <laughs> and then hope it's 10, I guess. I don't know. But uh, I guess the, there's nothing to that because plenty of times they've been very successful without that. But you know, at this point, you'd like to think that one big bopper in the lineup is going to really settle things down. And uh, so I'm concerned that they don't have that. Yeah. What about you, Doug? Anything that concerns you about the Giants heading in the second half? Brian, I'm glad you asked. Uh, I'm concerned about the Giants offense in early in games. Um, mm. In theory, you know, every like offensive numbers based theory says that you should be scoring your best inning for scoring should be the first inning. The Giants over the last few weeks have been god awful um, the entire first time through the lineup, and it's it's been hard to watch. You know they get to the late innings and sometimes they'll make a comeback, sometimes they won't. 
But if you're not scoring scoring runs early, and this was happening even during their winning streak, you know, I mentioned the Yaz walk-off game earlier. You know, the Giants went down 4 nothing in that game and didn't start scoring until the middle innings. You know, and that's you're digging yourself a hole almost every game. And then you have to kind of work real hard to get out of it. Well, you should be scoring against some you just looking at the the Rocky series, Kyle Freeland is a good pitcher. So, you know, they only scored one against him. It happens. But the the first two guys the Rockies threw out there were not particularly strong. Mm-hmm. And the Giants had a lot of trouble against them in the early innings. It's very concerning, I think. They I don't know if it's a game plan problem. I don't know if uh if other teams like have something that, on the Giants that the Giants then adjust to. But um it's going very badly for them and it's it's going to be hard to to keep up an over 500 pace when you're going down two nothing, three nothing, four nothing every game. An underrated part of the schedule, just to dance back to the schedule. I'm concerned about August as well. I, I guess we should, baseball is hard no matter who they play, but it's worth pointing out that May and June, they were uh, 35 and 20 and they've had the losing record and all the other months outside of that, which is maybe hardly anything. That's kind of baseball, but in August, which is coming up, Arizona, and then I think a trap series against the A's in <laughs> Oakland. Then they're going to face either the Otaniless Angels or a beefed-up Angels team, and then they're going to face Texas, the Rays, the Braves, the Phillies, the Braves again, and then the Reds. And they're going to and you know in the thirty-first, it's going to start with San Diego. That's brutal, and. Against the Rangers and Rays, especially, but also the and the Braves against those three teams, that's nine games. Or and then uh, sorry, that's twelve games. I'm not confident in the Giants. <laughs> Them going two and ten in that stretch is very conceivable to me, and I think that could that could stymie them quite a bit. At the same time, what concerns me, <laughs> maybe what could be interesting is that we'll see a different side. Luis Matos has really slowed down, but. The Giants are developing their youngsters in the major leagues too. And who knows in the dog days, the older guys get tired. The younger guys step up. I'm not sure. But when I think of those three teams, I think of three teams that outclass the Giants as good as the Giants are right now. Doug, are you going to be writing about the Giants in the second half? Brian, I'm glad you asked. I will be writing about the Giants twice a week at giantsdoug.substack.com every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, Sometimes good content, sometimes great content. And sometimes it's okay. (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, We'll be back on Monday with an all-new episode at Giants Croncast on Twitter. We're Fans First Sports Network at Fans First SN. So until then, go Giants.